Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hello, and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and movie podcast and radio show based in Chico, California. Mine is the soothing, slow voice of Max Minardi. I'm Johnny Summers. What's happening? This week on the show, we chip away a little more at our best picture completion coverage with a double header. First, we'll be talking The Fablemans from director Steven Spielberg. It's an autobiographical retelling of the director's childhood and stars Gabriel LaBelle as a young Spielberg, here renamed Sammy Fableman, Michelle Williams, Paul Dano, and Seth Rogen. Then, later in the show, and exclusively for people listening on podcast platforms, we'll dive into our thoughts on the Banshees of Inishirin, the latest from Martin McDonough, starring Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, about the sudden severing of a friendship on a small island off the coast of Ireland. But before we get to that, Johnny, tell these people what we're drinking. We are drinking beers from Wiley Roots out of Greeley, Colorado. First one is called Midnight on the Run. It's an imperial triple chocolate stout that clocks in at 9.2%. The second is the second beer in a series of three that they released, also called Midnight Run. Midnight on the Run. Midnight on the Run to Mexico. It's an imperial stout with cacao nibs, Mexican cinnamon, Mexican vanilla, and some unspecified spices. I just said spices, so. Sweet. Hopefully it's not paprika. Uh, Both beers were purchased at Liquor Barn in Redding, California this week. That's right. If you're listening on KZFR 90.1 FM, we hope you're having a terrific Thursday evening. As a quick heads up, you're only going to be hearing the first 30 minutes of our show, which includes our first beer review and the spoiler-free portion of our discussion of The Fablemans. That said, if you are so inclined to listen to the show in its entirety, which includes spoilers for The Fablemans, a second beer review like Johnny said, our thoughts on the Banshees of Inisherin and the always entertaining Hot and Bothered, Johnny will tell you what to do. You're going to go search for Fresh Hop Cinema Podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, everywhere else too. We receive new... We receive... We, you receive... You receive new episodes <laughs> every Friday morning at 7 a.m. And we've been dropping them on that day since 2016. If you like the show, go leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Let us know you did. Tell all your friends. It's a real, real cool guy move to do. Uh, to hang out with us on social media, search Fresh Hop Cinema on Twitter, Letterboxd, Instagram, Untapped, or just head over to our website, freshhopcinema.com. Our second favorite website is patreon.com, which is a way for you to support our show for as little as a dollar a week. You can help us keep our lovely podcast running. You can uh, help Johnny have the sweet, sweet greenbacks in his pocket to purchase us beers when he's out in the world. And you can help me sit on my butt and watch movies at home that I have to rent on video on demand. And in return, we promise there are some great things. We will invite you to events. We will buy you beers at those events sometimes. Uh, We will give you exclusive peeks behind our podcasting curtain. Uh, It's all really, really good stuff. That's, again, patreon.com slash freshhopcinema. We had a blast at Trivia. And if you're not in Patreon, you missed out. You missed it, losers. Yeah, consider Uh, joining. We do fun stuff. Yeah, it was actually, let's give it a shout out. It was at Hotel Diamond. Um, and our Patreon member and friend of our show, Nick Land, was the, um, the tri- trivia master. I Host. think it was the wizard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it was great. So thanks to hopefully everybody that came out. It's tomorrow night at the time of this recording. So yep. I'm sure it's going to be awesome. No, it was great. It was great. Johnny, you said Wiley Roots. That uh, is a brewery that we covered last on episode 265 in June of 2022. If you don't remember, listener, from all of eight months ago, allow me to remind you. 
Wiley Roots was founded in 2013. It's based out of Greeley, Colorado. Shout out to John Gates and Go Bears. Uh, John Gates is just the mayor. I Googled it. All right. <laughs> um, the brewery has also won a collection of medals over the years, though not on our show, because the two beers we did before, the first was called a, f- uh, it was called Peach Lemonade Slush. It was a fruited sour. I gave it a seven. Johnny, you gave it a 7.7, 7, so above average. And the second was an Imperial IPA called Thomas the Dank Engine. You gave it a generous 6.6, and I gave it what it was, which was a three. <laughs> uh, I did not like that beer. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm hesitant about Wiley Roots at this point, but, I, you know, we're, they, we're swinging kind of the other direction. They're a brewery that focuses on barrel-aged beers and spontaneous fermentation beers. So we haven't really gone that direction unless their fruited sour was that. So um, let's see what they do with their Imperial Stouts. Remind me of the name of the first one. So we're doing Midnight on the Run. This is the base beer of the other ones in this series. It is an Imperial Triple Chocolate Stout that's 9.2%. Yeah, so I spoke with Michaela with the marketing team at Wiley Roots before uh, we recorded today, and she gave us a little bit of background. Um, Johnny, for some context, would you tell me what the can looks like from Midnight on the Run? Flat black can, big white Wiley Roots logo. Uh, behind the words Midnight on the Run is a black cat's face with iridescent, almost uh, metallic looking, glowing yellow eyes. There's some whiskers. Very minimalist can. The, uh, the emphasis is the name of the beer and the Cat. Yeah, the through line for all of the beers that we have, we have we have three, and one is going to be um, a little bonus content for some of our special listeners. Um, but on all of the cans are these cats' eyes. So I talked to Michaela, and she explained they have a little brewery cat named Midnight, which is uh, what this series is named after. And this is a beer, at least the one we're drinking now that they put out uh, every Black Friday. And it's one they could, like you said, Johnny. It's a triple chocolate stout. They use uh, three different uh, methods of chocolate. You will be happy to know, sir. None of them involve lactose. There's no milk sugar in this. So, um, Johnny, as well as anybody else who might be lactose intolerant, this is a very safe beer for you, and hopefully, a delicious one. Johnny, you have it in your glass. You've tried it, and you're giving me sort of the, the okay, not so bad eyebrows. Okay, tell okay. me more. It's got a great nose. Tons of dark chocolate right up front. Yes. It was very bubbly. <clears throat> that was one thing immediately I was concerned about. Mm-hmm. Don't love a super effervescent yeah. stout. Um, it's very chocolatey, definitely on the lighter side, both in mouthfeel and um, richness, not richness, viscosity for sure. Viscosity, sure. But yeah, it seems a little light, shockingly 9.2%. 100% Would not shocking. have guessed that. It definitely, this is not barrel aged, so don't be looking for any of those characteristics. Right. This is just a chocolate. Imperial chocolate stout. Uh, yeah, chocolate is there. Heavy on the on the baking chocolate. You think triple chocolate's a fair thing to call this? I think it sets an expectation uh, that might be tough to achieve. I think triple chocolate immediately makes me think sweet. Well, it is sweet. It, it is sweet, but it's not like milk chocolatey sweet. It doesn't have uh, a ton of, of dessert-like quality. Really? You're not getting that? What I think of is something that's a little bit more – I think you're hitting it on the head with the viscosity. There's some beers that we've had on the show, and, and granted, sometimes they are barrel-aged stouts, but there's just something so syrupy. What I'm getting here is the flavor of like a Hershey's chocolate syrup mm-hmm. without the body to back it up. So it's this sort of weird dance it's doing where it's having – where I'm having a hard time pinning it down. Yeah, because, I mean, eating dark chocolate is is thick and rich and decadent. Sure. And I think there's kind of a decadence that's missing. It has the flavor profile, but it doesn't have the the overall, like, mouth experience mm-hmm. that makes me think decadent triple chocolate. Right, right. But I do really like the chocolate flavor. Fair to say that the body is more uh, reminiscent of maybe a porter? 
Mm-hmm. It's pretty thin. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. I, I, I not just the beer. I enjoy the body it's got going. I like that it's not so heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna go in for a second drink, but I'm I'm enjoying what I have so far. I think so often beers can become beers that well they can certainly go way too sweet but ones that don't are often just really bitter like they go for the baker's chocolate thing so i'm enjoying a more restrained stout that still focuses on the milk chocolate flavors those are for sure the most prominent ones for me yeah definitely reminds me of like a ghirardelli dark chocolate which i mean i enjoy eating and i think so much of the the viscosity thing is just a managing of expectations because stouts have just gotten wild let's be real they're they're insane I love that though. I do too. But you're right. This feels so much more traditional. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. It's like, you remember the red label Sierra Nevada stout? That dude, for the record, was probably my favorite, you know, no adjuncts, no fancy asterisks or nothing stout. Yeah. I loved that stout and Mm -hmm. I don't know what happened. They discontinued it. Why on earth I don't know. would they do that? It was like one of the first four beers. It's on all the old school hoodies. It was pale ale. It was, it was pale ale porter yeah. stout. There wasn't a third or a fourth, I mean. I, mm, Maybe so. Torpedo came around shortly after. Yeah, there's definitely not Torpedo. Torpedo. <laughs> Tor- torpedo. <laughs> uh, okay. Man. But okay, yeah, it yeah. reminds me of that like traditional old school. Yeah. But with the chocolatey notes like kicked up to 11. Yes. So if that is what they were going for, they crushed it. Yes. So I, yeah, and, and take that for what it is. If you're a fan of that that body and that the thinness of a more traditional stout, it's not yeah. the you stick a spoon up in it barely stands up straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not that new school crazy barrel aged stout, but it is a traditional old school stout with a ton of chocolate. So if I don't know, that's a mark that you're shooting for, then they nailed it. So I'm 31. I'm you know been drinking craft beer for about 10 years. Well. That's 10 years, exactly. Mm-hmm. I like this. I think the other people who might like this are the kind of people that complain about what has happened with craft beer, mm-hmm. particularly like pastry stouts. Yeah. Uh, if you're an old curmudgeon who secretly wants to enjoy a sweeter beer, but you don't want your friends to think you drink pastry stouts for whatever reason, this is great because it does kind of scratch that same itch. Yeah. I, this is, I like it a lot. It's a nice kick up in sweetness from a traditional stout. I, I think I like this as well. Okay. So we both like it. I think I like it a little more. But, I think you do. But you've almost talked yourself higher over the past minute and a half. Well, no, it's just, yeah, it's managing expectations, you know. 9.2% and it says Imperial tri- Triple Chocolate Stout. I'm picturing Hershey syrup. I am too. I can. Yeah. So for it not to be, I had to kind of just hit pause, reflect, evaluate kind of objectively and be like, all right, it's not what I expected. That's great. That's so funny because that was my experience, certainly definitely with the beer, but also with the Banshees of the Nishirin, which we won't get into now. Um, but I think that's a really nice parallel to share in this episode that we have that. Was that your experience with Banshees by chance? Did, did you kind of know what to expect? That I had zero expectations. Okay. I went in as blind as possible. Okay. I guess just coming off of in Bruges, like with, with Colin Farrell, with those two guys, mm-hmm. I kind of, ex- doesn't matter. We'll get to it later. Yeah. I just really like this parallel quite a bit. Um Let's talk negatives of this beer. Let's talk blatant things jumping out at you, or is it more subtle kind of nitpicky stuff? I think it's all nitpicky because there's nothing blatantly wrong with this beer. I think it is is tasty, very well made. I like the presence of the chocolate, and I like that it's really a middle ground between old school traditional and that new school that's overly sweet. I think this hits a really nice level of sweetness. I agree. 
Yeah, so this is a 16-ounce can. I'm not sure if you said that, but mm -hmm. I would have no problem drinking this whole thing. No. Which is nice because sometimes we'll even get – we'll get lower ABV beers that I don't want to drink simply because I don't – there's there's too much going on. I mean, a lot of times it's like IPAs too. Totally. There's a lot of hazy was, hazies that we do mm -hmm. where it's just like, dude – Four ounces, I'm good. Totally perfect. So I think this beer goes beyond being tasty and fun and good. It goes into the dangerous category because yeah. you have two factors working. You have the the very hard to detect 9.2, and you have the fact that it's not uh, an exhausting beer to drink. It yeah. doesn't weigh you down. It feels like, like we're saying, like an old school kind of maybe 5 or 6% stout. Like if this was a 12-ounce bottle, it would be like a three-drinker for me. It'd be gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's delicious. Uh, okay. Well, I don't have anything super negative either. I am going to pour myself a little more just to kind of go fishing for Because you anything. want some more. I definitely want some more. And I'm also going to draw your attention, my dude, to something that might shift the conversation slightly, which is um, I gave it a little swirly swirl, and, and I think it's coming out a little different. Oh. So why don't you take a little more in your glass? All right. Because what I have noticed is quite a bit uh, – uh, quite a bit oh. of stuff. It's you've got oh uh, so uh, now don't just say oh uh, you have to describe what's happening because this uh, is there a, there was a propulsion of <laughs> chunks and schmutz and oh god current, current working theory is that we got uh, we got the top half of the can and now at the bottom is what you know veritably should have probably been mixed in together. Now we are diligent researchers here, so I'm gonna try mine, but I I can't overstate this. The give me your give me your glass back. All right, I can have some more. Thanks, buddy. The the contents of the beverage has has um has dramatically shifted. And this has only ever happened one other time to this extent, because Johnny just topped off my glass and there were um gloops. Can I say gloops? Glorps. This happened one other time years and years ago when we drank a beer from New Glory. It was a hazy IPA. Uh shout out to New Glory. Nothing wrong with that beer. We just put it uh in the freezer too long and it had frozen, and we didn't realize that for about 10 minutes, which was uh, a embarrassing. B not what's happening here. So, so did you take a picture yet, dude? No. Let's do that at some point because this is there's there's actual chunks. There's uh, chunks. There's of a stuff. lot. I'm gonna drink it now. Why don't you describe what's at the, if you hold your glass up? What's in the bottom? Uh, a lot of white looking globs. Yeah, it looks like boogies. If I didn't know better, I'd say it'd be almond slivers. Mm-hmm. Almond slivers. The drink has changed dramatically. It has gotten um, it's gotten less good. Mm -hmm. It's gotten more astringent. Very dry, really dry. A lot more bitterness. Um, might you might say it's got more baking chocolate notes, which I don't like. You might not even say that, but that might be a polite way of putting it. Um, okay, well, I'm glad we tried some more. Uh, it's I'm having to reevaluate everything I've said mm -hmm. to kind of adjust to this. Yeah. Even now, tilting my glass and bringing it back down. The amount of just, I mean, I don't know what's a step farther than legs. Legs is not the way to describe this. No, that's got multiple it, appendages. I mean, it's sliding down the glass. Uh, there's a there's a film. Barely wants to. There's a film. It's filmy. Yeah. I'm going to try it one more time. I don't, think, I don't think it'd be wise to drink what's at the bottom. No. Do you have like a strainer? We should strain it out and see if we can isolate some particulate. We could do that. Let's save this for now and we'll do some investigating. We'll circle back in the danger zone when we're just on our podcast. Uh, but for now, let's give it a rating uh, with all the information we know. This is Midnight on the Run from Wiley Roots, throwing us a curveball mm -hmm. last minute. Johnny Summers, I don't know, you don't like these kind of surprises, so out of 10. Out of 10, this is like a 5.8. Oh. All right, I guess I don't like these surprises either because I went from about an 8 or a 9 down to a 4. Yeah. I can't finish it. No. Or, or, 
you know, some scientists can tell me I'm wrong, but I'm not for now going to drink that. That looks like a stomachache in a glass. It now. super does. And that's a huge bummer to me. Do you have anything else on Midnight on the Run for now? Or are you just super excited for the next one later in the show? So Which, by the way, we will we'll like. Properly. Oh, are we? I think we should. Do you want that shit I want, mixed in? I want to drink the the beer the way it was made, for better or for worse. Oh. I at least want to pour it, you know, properly. Because that wasn't like. Oh no, we upset the very bottom of the can. That was probably the bottom third of the can. Yeah, I wanted it to stay there, man. Well, want... we can do we could do this again for the second. It doesn't matter. For I now. I don't want that in me. <laughs> do you have anything else on on the OG base version of Midnight on the Run? Uh anything you haven't said already? Great, then strangely a bummer. Once again, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. Think we got this beer wrong, or do you think we got it right? You can get in touch and give us a high five or a slap on the wrist. Uh, message us on Instagram at fresh underscore hop underscore cinema or send an email to fhccast at gmail.com. We love feedback. I personally thrive on positivity and Johnny just grows more powerful the more dissent he sows. And hey, if you like the show, take 30 seconds. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, man. And it really does only take a couple seconds. It's one of the most efficient ways to help us get our show in front of new potential listeners. So go do it. Incoming is a trailer for The Fablements. If you haven't seen it yet, do not worry. There are no spoilers in our next segment, so don't go anywhere. The lights change how everything looks. It's hard to find our house. Ours is the dark house with no lights. In this family, it's the scientists versus the artists. Sammy's on my team, takes after me. Dismiss what he does. It's playful or imaginative. You could afford to be a little encouraging. She should have been a concert piano player. What she got in her heart is what you got. You can't just love something, you also have to take care of it. It's more important than your hobby. Can you stop calling it a hobby? Mom got a monkey! Why'd you get a monkey? Because I needed a laugh. You always have to be the center of attention. Stop shouting at her! Now there's been nothing but disrespect from you! I'm your mother! Family, art, it'll tear you in two. You stop making movies, it'll break your mother's heart. I don't know what to do anymore. You do what your heart says you have to. What was your favorite part? If you are just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, a show about the worlds of craft, beer, and film. If you're listening on the radio waves of KZFR 90.1 FM, you're only going to be hearing the first half of our show on the radio today. But if you'd like to hear the whole thing, you can go subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get podcasts. It will be available to stream tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. So at the end of this, if you just can't get enough, go listen. So uh, for the Fablemans, the internet synopses always go something like this. Young Sammy Fableman, based on young Steven Spielberg, by the way, falls in love with the movies after his parents take him to see The Greatest Show on Earth, 
Armed with the camera, Sammy starts to make his own films at home, much to the delight of his supportive mother. Boy, what a time when America was so sweet, and isn't it going to be fun just to see a cute little Stevie Spielberg playing with 8mm cameras as a kid? But despite being marketed as a rose-tinted look at the glossy, veneered childhood of a beloved filmmaker, it ultimately becomes an exploration of the power and importance of creativity, the weight of familial and professional responsibility, the trials that come with being a mother, a father, a child, or someone as charismatic as Seth Rogen, and so many other things that would be impossible to list in a meager podcast intro for a two-and-a-half-hour opus from Steven Spielberg. Some of those things I'm sure we'll get into during our discussion of this film, but for now, the usual nuts and bolts are as followed. As I mentioned previously, the film is up for Best Picture at the Academy Awards this year, along with several other awards. The film first screened at the Toronto Film Festival last September before being released wide in the States on November 11th. Tiff. In addition to directing this, Steven Spielberg shares a screenplay credit with frequent collaborator Tony Kushner. Uh, behind the camera was Yanush Kaminsky, capturing the middle 20th century magic. Uh, we also wouldn't be talking about a proper Spielberg flick without John Williams on the soundtrack. Um, Johnny, recap the nominations for me this movie has gotten. So we've got Spielberg for Best Director, Michelle Williams for Best Supporting Actress, Judd Hirsch for Best Supporting Actor, John Williams for Best Original Score, Production Design for Rick Carter, and Set Decoration by Karen O'Hara. Best Original Screenplay. Great, yeah. Uh, so if you tack on Best Picture, that is seven total um banshees of a sharing that we're gonna talk about later also has a lot of awards we're right in the the thick of uh catching up on our award stuff so mm -hmm. with all that johnny summers what was your experience with the fablemans watched it last night at home rented it on voodoo had quite a nice time with this movie it was beautifully shot the story was more in-depth about a family than i was anticipating mm -hmm. and it was it was linear, but it was not as far-reaching as I would have thought it to go. How do you mean? It just kind of captured a, a chunk of young Sammy's life, mm -hmm. and then sure. a little bit of like late high school. Uh, I, I was expecting it as just I'm watching this movie to go career. to go longer. Yeah. yeah, and I did not know before I watched this that it's. Uh, are they calling it semi or just full on autobiographical? Spielberg has said it's based on his childhood. Okay, so we'll call it autobiographical. All right. Well, um, I thought it was very entertaining, both visually and thematically. I liked Paul Dano quite a bit in this as the, the father yeah. of the family. Yep. Um, I really loved that there was a monkey that got introduced at okay. some point in the movie. Sure. That that made me giggle quite sure. a bit. Uh, Michelle Williams. Probably not my favorite part of this movie. Really? In my opinion, wow, wow, I wow. think she did a little bit of kind of ham-fisted overacting. Wow. Yeah. Hot. Very hot. Yeah. Truthfully. I know. She got a nom for it, and I was just like, eh. For me, she was the weakest link in the whole family. Wow. Yeah. All right. But that's just personal taste. I, I feel like she just she she made a meal out of the role, and, and it was a, a seven-trip uh, experience at the Golden Corral. Oh, wow. Just, just kept going. There's a byline for a review. Okay. Mm -hmm. But overall, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was absolutely gorgeous to look at. The cinematography and the use of lighting in this movie mm -hmm. was tremendous. Mm -hmm. And I loved every time Michelle Williams was behind a piano. So lots of, of really strong points. The plot, I enjoyed. All the family drama, I enjoyed. Um, just minor nitpicks, but overall, had a really good time with this movie. Out of 10. 
out of 10, it was a, I'm going to, this felt like a 7.5 all day. 7.5. I loved it, man. I, I, I wasn't, this is one of movie, like it's been available for a while, you know, over, over a couple months and I haven't seen it because it didn't interest me. Mm-hmm. It didn't strike me as one of those movies that I would need to see to feel good about the films I've seen in 2022. Then per our tradition, when it got nominated for best picture, I was like, well, we have to see it. Mm-hmm. And I was really caught off guard by how much I liked it. I was so uninterested in going into seeing something that was, I kind of had the same expectation. I thought it would be sort of a, a recap of, of Spielberg's career, a very sort of self-indulgent kind of thing. And it wasn't, it, it turned into, yeah, more about his family. And you could, you could make the case that it was, um, I, you can read it a lot of ways, but I was moved by the love letter esque quality to his mother. Mm. I thought Michelle Williams was fantastic. I was on the edge of tears for a lot of this movie. Surprising or not, I'm not sure. I added it to a list on my letterbox called uh, Movies That Remind Me Who I Am. Um, there's just something about the commentary here about, like you mentioned that um, Judd Hirsch was up for uh, an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. He plays the basically an uncle to Sammy. And he shows up and has this great scene where he talks about the cost of pursuing art yeah i think the movie peaked at that point it was a great scene um and and i think the themes that caught my interest the most are the ones that are around that idea about about sort of the the price you pay to be this sort of person and to have these passions and the complexities of what that would do to a family because um i mentioned seth rogan being in this and uh you know he's he's very similar to michelle williams character and he's he's a coworker of Paul Dano's father character and clearly much more like the mom, but they all work together. He's like basically part of the family. Um, and the dynamic of being, you know, the mom being married to somebody who is clearly so stable, but, you know, like a little boring and he knows it, but he's, he's brilliant at what he does. He's just, they're different people. Um, and for me, identifying with kind of wanting to be both of those things, like I understand pursuing creativity and like wanting dreams that are larger than life and might just ruin you. But also like, no, needing to kind of hold down a job and be there and just be reliable. I love that. And I think the way that the story is told from the perspective of a young Spielberg is um, that's how I'm going to say it, uh, is told really, really softly and subtly and with a lot of care that doesn't incriminate anyone, which I thought this would have been an easy story to make a bad guy Mm -hmm. out of several people. There's the one kid in school who's a, pretty bad anti-Semite. He's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yep. But I mean more the family. Uh, I loved it, man. It's uh, caught me off guard. It's one of my favorite movies of the year. I find nothing wrong with it. I loved it the whole time. It's a 10 for me. Dang. I love this movie. I don't know if... No, I'll probably see it again. I need to watch it again. I want to... I want. It's a movie I want to show to people, mm-hmm. especially because of how subversive it was of my expectations. I was really ready for kind of a boring, like I said, self-indulgent biopic, and it totally isn't that say what you will about it if you don't like it, but it isn't that. Mm-hmm. It definitely I, isn't I that. think it's great for that reason. I think my enjoyment level, um, probably number out of 10, was mm-hmm. higher than my rating. rating. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was surprised by this as well. I, I think the first and second act were by far the strongest. Without, it's not super spoiler heavy. Where would you draw those distinctions? Like, where do you draw the end of the first act, do you think? Because they move a lot, which kind of almost acts like a forced act break, mm-hmm. but it isn't. I don't think that's quite right because they move like four or five times, but yeah. what do you mean? Uh, it just, I loved young Sammy and just sure. that whole sequence, all the sequences of him learning about film mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. shooting, us. that stuff engaged me so sure. hard. 
like I said, I think it peaked uh, with his uncle's monologue. Mm-hmm. I think after that. Like most of the high school stuff. Yeah. You kind of. It was fine. Okay. I'll agree that some of the high school, like the stuff that literally happens at the high school, um, though there is a character we are introduced to, a fellow classmate who is a romantic interest, and the way that that romance is explored is very funny. And it's one, it struck me as one of those scenes that is probably verbatim out of Spielberg's memory. Right. And I'm sure it was dramatized and hyperbolized, but like that was such a funny scene to me. Like that had to have just happened. the room that they were in was great. A lot, a lot of men. <laughs> so good. The wall of men, wall of sexy men. Basically um, a shrine. I thought it was so funny. There's not a ton of jokes in this movie. I mean, there's, there's laughs that happen amongst the family, but for us as an audience, it's not a very funny movie. So I thought, especially when that scene came around, I needed it. Mm-hmm. Um, but to your point, you're saying your, your rating of the movie is lower than your enjoyment. My rating is higher than my enjoyment. Mm. Again, felt like crying. This was hitting something deep inside of me. Yeah. As an artist, I, I, I bet. I haven't even fully analyzed. I watched this today. So I watched, I came out of my screening, like, or my screening. I came out of my couch. Um, it sounds way you cooler. Know, yeah. Like, screening. like three hours ago. Mm-hmm. So I haven't even analyzed the part of me that was reacting to this yet. I just know that I was. You got to start watching movies the day before. I know. But my mom came to visit. Maybe that's part of it. Who knows? A lot of mom stuff in this movie. Mm. Sons and their moms. You should have watched it with your mom. She saw it already. She didn't want to watch it with me. She was like, I don't think I'd watch it again. So she didn't like it. I think she she might listen to this. And I'm sure now if she is listening, she will report back because I think her rating would probably be closer to yours. Hmm. I told her today that I loved it and she was surprised. Oh, wow. Which surprised me. Right. Because it seems so obvious that a a, a son would, would, I don't know, maybe not. Everybody's experience is different. Yeah. For me, it's so obvious. This is like a mother-son movie kind yeah. of thing. And, and all the the art and the sacrificing art for yeah. stability. And yeah, I felt like it was going to hit home for you. Totally. Um, all right, we're about there on time for our radio listeners. Do you have any other thoughts you want to squeeze in before uh, before we go that route? No, let's do it. Okay, once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on KZFR 90.1 FM. The Fablemans is available to rent on video on demand, as well as being in most theaters. If you've seen it and you have thoughts of your own, you can reach us on Instagram at fresh underscore hop underscore cinema or send an email to fhccast at gmail.com. As a reminder, if you want to hear the rest of today's conversation, which includes spoilers for The Fablemans, a second, hopefully less chunky beer review, our thoughts on The Banshees of Inishirin, and of course, Hot and Bothered, head over to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema. That's right. <laughs> I love that. Great. <laughs> Every time. That's right. Uh, the rest of this episode will be out tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. on all major podcast platforms. To our radio listeners, thank you for tuning in. We really appreciate that. We'll catch you next and every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. on KZFR 90.1 FM, people-powered radio. And until then, watch some films and drink something that makes your senses sizzle. Those of you currently listening in podcast form, don't worry. We'll be right back with The Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Welcome to the Danger Zone, everybody. We're going to spoil the Fablemans if you haven't seen it yet. That was your final warning. So, um, like I said earlier, not a hugely spoiler-dependent film. There's no big twist. There's nothing really you don't know at the end uh, that you didn't know at the beginning. Yeah. So I want to spend a little time talking about favorite performances, favorite scenes, uh, maybe least favorite stuff. Um, you mentioned a monkey. That seems like the simplest place to start. Yeah. I think also, in addition to everything you've just said, yeah. this movie is just uh, at its core about the perils of being in love with Seth Rogen. It makes sense. Seth Rogen was the perfect casting choice, by the way. He really was. Like Just a ball of charisma. He is, dude. And Seth Rogen has gotten better. He 
do you are you a fan of sort of like yeah. like the this is 40 um knocked yeah. up Seth Rogen? Pineapple Express. Pineapple Express, sure. Yeah, yeah like the day, the James James Franco kind yeah. of Seth Rogen. I don't care for that guy so much. Mm-hmm. Um I think he is a very talented performer when he gets to carry some dramatic weight. I don't like Knocked Up. It's not a very good movie. I don't think. If you like that sort of thing, awesome. But at the end, he kind of has to mature as a character. But as an actor, you get to see some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked him a lot more in uh, the movie with Charlize Theron that I is can't think of the name of right now. Um, I'll think of it in a second. The one where she had the kid? Where, and... No, that's not Seth Rogen. That's uh, one of the Duplass brothers, I think. That was Tully. Mm. Um, yes. You'll remember it. You like this movie. Oh, yeah. The interview? No, no. that's what <laughs> Yeah, Franco. no, no. The one um, where she was a politician. She was a politician, and he's like her speechwriter, basically. Yeah, that was so good. What was that called? I can't remember right now. That's fine. Someone tell us. Yeah. He was the goofy stoner guy in that, but he also got to do some serious stuff. And here he's he's goofy. He's goofy with the family, but he's mostly a serious presence. Mm-hmm. Or, or rather, the fact that he's having an affair Kind, we don't know the extent. An emotional like, affair. Certainly an emotional affair. Yeah. Some like l- maybe light physical stuff. I don't know. Yeah. There is some light petting. <laughs> some, light, some light to medium <laughs> petting. Um, no, he's not one dimensional. No, not a bit. And neither is the the sort of emotional threesome thing they have going. Yeah. It's all very complicated. Um, but he's never – you kind of get the sense even before we find the footage that something's up. Oh, we, I, I, did. I like, called that like – For we, sure. Yeah, quick. Um and I think that's intentional. He's never supposed to be purely comic relief in this movie. I think that's when Seth Rogen has proven he's at his best. At least he proved it to me in this movie. I want to see more of that. Hmm. He's great at this. Yeah. Because he's still fun. Shine but... bright like a diamond. He's he's multifaceted. Sure. He's multifaceted. Um, so I don't know how we got to Seth Rogen from The Monkey. I brought it up. Oh, yeah. Okay. That what about all, The Monkey? That was on me. <laughs> uh, so his name's Benny, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. With The Monkey and Seth Rogen. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So essentially they move... To set that up just a hair, they you move well. yeah. from Phoenix to... They move from the East Coast to Phoenix yes. to pursue a job for... But um, Seth Rogen was with him at that point. Correct. They all he moved brought him together. With. And it, it was like a thing because... because um, I'm going to look up character names. I don't have them in front of me for some reason. Mitzi. Mitzi said, you're just going to leave your best friend behind. Like, no, he deserves this job at this tech company as well. Mm-hmm. Which was another, I don't want to say red flag at this point. Like, he's an important part of their family. Yeah, they call him Uncle Benny. Yeah, and dad's like, no... Okay, fine. And then they go from Phoenix to um somewhere they just say Northern California. Northern California. It was right. a bus ride from Santa Cruz. So right. somewhere in that region. And that's when they lose Benny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And obviously Mitzi, Michelle Williams' character, mm-hmm. is very upset. And you know, she moved away from the man that she actually loves in a different way. Because I think way. she loves them both. It Absolutely. A very intriguing look at a, a, a love triangle. I think is what it, we should totally. call it because it was. Yes. Because she loved them both just in different ways and they gave yeah. her different things. Yep. Yeah. It was a fascinating look at something like that. Anyway, she's all bummed out, super sad. Yeah. Once they moved to California. And so she buys a monkey. Like at one point, they just, you're in the house, there's a scene, and there's a monkey. Dude. And the monkey's named Benny. Right. Like, which is not like on a name tag he has. That's like the final line before that scene ends. Yeah. It's also worth setting up that. Her, her, she goes through a lot in this movie. Her, her mother passes away, uh, and then she gets a call from her mom the night after. Like she's going through some mental instability, yeah, which sets off a red flag for us. Like there's, there's been lots of links that people have made between creativity and mental illness. 
Um, so immediately it's like, okay, like what's going on with her? How is this going to get worse or better? And then she's slowly destabilizing as they lose Benny and she's lost her mom and Benny at this point. And now she's like, the, the monkey's name is Benny. Yeah. One might say she's even degradating. One might. Um, she's on her way to being herself in Shutter Island. She's really good at playing kind of, uh, mentally sort of on the brink characters. Mm -hmm. uh, those kids Unhinged. were going to end up in a pond outside that house. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, then she's like, yeah, the monkey's name's Benny. And then that's, we're all like, oh, shit. <laughs> He's like, he, should, he shouldn't probably call him that. Yeah. Um, anyways, but yeah, it was nice. But it, was, it wasn't like a totally comical thing for me. I was like, oh, like you don't just get a monkey. You can't do that. But she's like a free spirit. She drove them towards a tornado. It was like the first time we were like, all right. And the, one of the kids is like, are we safe? And she's like, of course you're safe. I'm your mother. And then I yeah. think she realized like, this is not safe. Well, and that was right after she found out that uh, Paul Dano's character didn't want Benny to move oh, with them to Phoenix. That is so right. That, she was a lashing out. Yeah. It was a very knee-jerk, yeah. rebellious reaction. Yeah. I wonder if there's any reading in to be done on the, the relationship of her with her mother. Mm. I, I wasn't really keyed into that at the beginning, but I don't know. I'd I would like to watch this again. Luckily, we own it now. Do we own it? Yeah, it was 20 bucks. Nice, dude. To, didn't we just buy, buy something else, too, last week? I swear you bought The Triangle of Sadness. Yeah. I love that. I don't don't I don't love that movie, but I I saw it today. I was like, how is this still rentable? <laughs> yeah. And then I found our catalog of other movies. Yeah, we, we, have, got, a, we have a few on Vudu. I was thinking we got a nice little collection going. We got a uh, movie week. About to go back time. and watch Marcel. I was gonna go back and watch Come On, Come On. I need to watch that, and I need to watch Barbarian again. Man, Barbarian's good. Shalina hasn't seen either. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Those are opposite movies. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Double we, feature. We started watching Come On, Come On. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. You have to be in a particular headspace to watch a movie like that. Well, yeah. 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 There's a lot of movies like that this year. Mm hmm Or sorry, that was, I mean, that was that year, but still, there are a lot of movies like that this year as yeah. well. I would say this one's one. I would say Banshees is definitely one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. I loved Michelle Williams in this. I like her in most things. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not think she overacted. I thought she played this very eccentric, uh, you know, um, emotional and and troubled, but also very passionate. Like high highs and low lows. Mm -hmm. This woman has, which I feel I have sometimes. So again, that and creativity and like a she's a pianist. She was like a world class pianist that kind of gave it up to kind of nestle down, nest mm -hmm. up. What's the phrase I'm looking for? Settle down. Sure. Uh, and that's kind of always haunted her. And it's just a very, um, yeah, it strikes close to home for me. Like I, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter now. I don't get in my personal history. You get it. <laughs> I get it. So you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Great. Absolutely. Yeah. I thought she was a little over the top. But if that's, you know, how the character was written, probably just triggers how dramatic my own mother is. Sure. And made me be like, I don't like Dude, the way she's acting. I was going to say, even beyond if that's how the character is written, if that's how Steven Spielberg remembers his mother. Then great. No, I mean, like, you know, great or not. That's then then accurate. Then then yeah. true to the story he's trying to tell. Totally. I can't imagine it's Michelle Williams's fault performance wise because she's she's probably she's probably like my top ten actresses that are working today. Whoa. I would guess that'd be a fun thing on Patreon to do. Whoa. Like our our most anticipated or like most watched actors mm -hmm. and actresses. That'd be fun. Um. Well, my number one's Florence Pugh. Let's start. The she's list. your number one. I think so. Mm, I might be Saoirse Ronan mm. if we're going in that age group. It'd be tough to argue that, but body of work, Florence is just so much busier. I don't know if that's true. She's more mainstream for sure. Well, uh, in the last two years, she's been in, I'm going to say five more movies than Saoirse Ronan. No. In the last two years, dude, she hasn't made five movies in the past two years. Like I said three. You did? I, I still so. don't think that's right. 
Uh, let's mean, figure it out. We got what was last? Black Widow. Oh no, dear Dar- or uh, don't worry, darling. Mm-hmm. Black Widow. Um, Midsommar somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. What did you just watch that you said you didn't recognize her? Oh, oh. fighting with my family. Yep. Mm, that's four. And she was in that um, Netflix movie. Oh yeah, what was that? I don't remember. Amy was it called Amy something? No, it was okay. something else. Uh, Saoirse Ronan um, did Women Talk. No, sorry. Um, that's funny. It's not that. It's uh, the remake of the Little Women. Mm-hmm. Um, she did Brooklyn's too early, but she had Lady Bird in 2018. Um, I know there's more. I'm actually impressed that I thought of this many so far for these two. 18 was five years ago. Oh my gosh, it was. <laughs> yep. Oh, I don't uh-huh. like that. Yeah. All right. Well, that would be a fun list to compare. I just to feel movies. like she hasn't been in a ton of movies. That's true. We could solve this now, but let's not. Let's no. save it for a Patreon. Thing. Absolutely. I think this would be a good discussion. Yeah. Um, what else do you have on, on this? I don't think I have a ton more. Okay. I I loved the monologue from the uncle. I think a I've said that scene. many times. That great was scene. that was a pinnacle. That mm-hmm. was a real high point. Mm-hmm. Like when I think of this movie, that's a scene I'll remember. Makes sense. Yeah, I love the the choice to insert a character we haven't met and then to have them leave. Like you don't like he's encapsulated. He's insulated in that one moment. Do you think he did enough to get a supporting actor? Yes, Academy Award yes, nomination. I for, do for like two scenes. Yes, I thought it was great. The stuff he's talking about is the whole center point of the movie, and he sells it. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think it's pivotal, but. I'm really curious how many other actors or actresses have been nominated with so little screen time. Oh, I just read something a couple months ago about there's one person who I swear was on screen for like like 30 seconds or something. This is Googleable as well. And they got nominated? They got nominated. I'm not sure if they won. They better not have won. I don't know, man. It was like Meryl Streep or something. Yeah. It's not Meryl Streep. It was... It was it was somebody from a previous generation, like in like the sixties or seventies. Uh, yeah, really wild hmm. thing. Fun That's fact. a weird thing, man. We should like. I bet there's a list out there somewhere. I'm sure there is. That's just dumb trivia that my brain thinks of because that's it's wild to me that he got nominated. I get it. I understand it. It was pivotal. Mm-hmm. It set a real tone setting character. Okay, sure. But sub two minutes screen time. I know. Um. I have the list I think I was looking at. I was exaggerating, but it's um it's five minutes and forty seconds on screen. Okay. Oh, I was wrong. And it's not a no, I was right. Sorry. I was right that I was wrong. It's Beatrice Strait from Network, uh, and it was five minutes and forty seconds. Hmm. And she won. Whoa. So this is Oscar winning. it's not actually the right article. I found one that is Oscar nominated, and I swear to you it was like less than a minute. That's crazy. All Maybe right. Well, knows. Well, that's more bonus content. We'll figure that out. I love Or that. it'll just be the rest of the episode and we won't cover no, we'll get the other, or the other beer. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think I'm pretty good on Fablemans if you are. I think so, man. Then do you have the courage in your soul to crack open another beer from Wiley Roots with an open heart and an open mind that this one will be better? I'm and if, if not, I don't want to do it. I'm scared. If you can't go with an open heart and open mind, then forget it. Well, at the very least, I have an open mouth. And an open beer in two seconds. Okay, here we are. We're back with Wiley Roots, beer number two. Um, as a reminder to anybody listening to the podcast with short-term memory loss or anybody coming over from the radio and just joining our podcast feed, um, this is a beer from a series called Midnight on the Run. The first beer we really loved until we didn't. You can rewind this episode if you want to to go here. Um, be weird if you started at this point, though. Well, so I, you always say that to me, but I think if I were a radio listener 
I would jump over from the radio, skip ahead. Well, then the why would they zone. need to rewind? Because they might be doing it on previous episodes. Like they might think, oh yeah, I heard them on the radio a month ago, but I don't want to hear that. I'll just listen to the last part of that episode. Then who's going to remember? We don't remember what we drank last week. I'll tell you what we aren't drinking this week is Crux, by the way, which is what you said we were drinking last week. Yeah, I forgot what day we were recording. Remember that. Yep. Um, doesn't matter. We did the same thing to I, this beer. I forgot about that too. Yeah, <laughs> we uh, did the last beer, which is that you just opened it. It hasn't been moved for about 20 minutes. I'm drinking off the top. You poured it. I guess that's the right move. Um, you drank it. I'm assuming it's good. I'm assuming it's super good with Mexican chocolate notes. It's nice. It's a little, it's a little spicy. Good. Yeah. Uh, when you think of Mexican hot chocolate or Mexican chocolate um, beers, what come to mind? Uh, Chocoveza from Stone. Ooh, I forgot about that beer. Fucking love that beer. You know, it was good and then it wasn't for me. I think it got worse. They did stuff to it. Yeah. They like they lightened it up a little bit, yeah. like ABV-wise. And I also think they changed the formula. Yeah, there was like a, one year where it was just spicy. It was like way too spicy. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe. I didn't like it. Like they went too many peppers. Yeah. The first year I had it, it blew my mind. Yeah. And then it was never that good again. So I've forgotten about it. What I think of is Big Bad Baptista mm. from um, Epic. Great, great Mexican hot chocolate. I think theirs is hot chocolate specifically. Mm-hmm. Though I don't know what the distinction is between Mexican chocolate and Mexican hot chocolate. Spices and peppers. That Usually makes sense. Mexican hot chocolate has a little bit of like cayenne. Uh, cayenne. Little, little, little zing. Little zhuzh. I'm going to try this now. Do it. It's not dissimilar to the first beer by any stretch of the imagination it's essentially the same beer with with more spices uh cinnamon primarily not getting a ton of vanilla no which which it was described as again we're doing midnight on the run to mexico right did we i don't know that that we did okay thank you for saying yep we just opened midnight run sure it's also 9.2 percent. midnight on the run to mexico it's not a fruited sour i'm sorry about the notes it is a Mexican hot chocolate inspired imperial stout with cacao nibs, Mexican cinnamon, Mexican vanilla, and dot, 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 spices. Spices. I really wish, I don't know. I'm sure it's like a spice blend of some kind. But I'm just I, happy it's not cumin. That would be disgusting. <laughs> it would be, uh, Why does this taste like tacos? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, okay, that established. I, I'm not noticing too much of a difference. No. Um, weirdly enough, I was getting, I'll drink it again. I had one taste so far, but almost more of like a, like a berry sensation, like it's gone up in sweetness and it tastes like a fruity sweetness rather than a chocolate sweetness. Does a little metallic sense? too. I haven't gotten that yet, but I will, I'm eager to try it again. Would you like any more off the top of the can or are you good with what's in your glass before I before I centrifuge it? I'm good. Right. No, this is, this is very similar. I think for me, honestly, it's a little less sweet. W- yeah. What kind of sweetness is less? The chocolatey stuff? Yeah. I think so too, but mine is being augmented by a different kind of sweetness that is not... Mexican spices. Mm. So are you getting, I mean, well, they did include Mexican vanilla. Are you getting like mm. an overwhelming vanilla sweetness? I'll try it again. Let me try it again real quick. Um, I do, let me just say, I do really like the can design. The can's I'm great. Keep coming back to that. It's I got think. a cat. It I love have, the cat. Got Yeah, very Cheshire cat kind of yeah. kind of vibes. Hmm. I don't know if I love this version. I don't know if I like this version more than the first one. I think the first one was nice. The first one was infinitely better. Not infinitely. Not even close to infinitely. It was... Finitely, marginally. Better. I got it in my throat. <laughs> it, <laughs> it was it was marginally to to semi significantly better. Yeah, I don't think it's twice as good. The first one, uh, noticeably better. Noticeably better. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. Moment of truth. I've I'm kind of given the can of swirly swirl. Given it. And an we're aggra- gonna we're gonna like pour aggressively. Okay. I want it. I can't go too aggressively, or it's gonna spill all over our equipment. I don't care. Okay, that's hitting my fingers up here. I can feel it. I don't live here. Here we go. Um, 
Johnny, describe it as vividly as you can. All right. I'll tell you what, that's already saying something. It's immediately very foamy. He's tilting the can and it's not coming out. That's not foam, it's surface tension. It was it was holding it. It made like a dam. And oh yeah. It's oh, yeah. it's thicker. Oh, very thick. Uh definitely not as pure black. It's definitely more brownish now. Like the last one after we shook the can became very much lighter. It super did, yeah. yeah. Or much much yeah, I guess lighter. That's true, but less like think less. coffee. You just when we when we swirled think the can, latte. it looked like it went from you know an espresso it shot to, to a, a latte. latte. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, go whole can. The whole can, yeah, dude. Ready to go. All we right, got to see what's at the bottom. So it's actually already quite a bit less chunky than the first one. Um, there's no globs yet. There's some globs. Oh, there's oh. globs in the bottom. I feel them. Now, what we discovered, um, not on the part, we did do this on the break. I said we'd talk talk about this in the danger zone. Yeah. Which, uh, I guess is technically past, but fine. No, everything's dangerous from here on out. The Fine. <laughs> the danger zone means that we're going to spoil the movie. We're no longer spoiling the movie, so it's not really the danger zone. Whatever. We put the previous beer through a sieve into a glass, mm-hmm. and what we found at the bottom was a an, uh, an off-brown Lighter, a lighter than chocolate brown sludge. sludge. I'm gonna call it a teaspoon's worth. I think that is if 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 generous is undercutting it because it was more. You're being too generous. I think it was more than that. Half a tablespoon, maybe. And it was. It looked chunky. It was holding its form. It looked almost like you had taken a block of chocolate and shaved it off with a chisel, uh, and then that got sun bleached and it was all really wet. But then I, I, the brave one apparently today, touched it with my finger and it immediately liquefied into a paste. Then I, I placed the tip of my finger into my mouth with the chocolatey chisel paste on it and my tongue emanated a Pop Rocks-like sensation. Sizzled. It sizzled. It was highly carbonated chocolate paste. It wasn't quite solid. It wasn't quite liquid. It was in the strange liminal phase. And it didn't taste good but it didn't make me throw up. Now, I feel comfortable saying my rating for that beer did not change, for better or for worse. Um, I also feel a little better at the fact that it wasn't like chunks of actual like stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't solids. It wasn't solid, yeah. It was something that might have been dissolved had we aggravated the can a little more. Well, That's some, sad. Some, some boogers aren't solid. I still don't want those in my mouth. I think I don't want to dwell on this for too long, but I think to be a booger, it has to be solid by definition. I think if it's not, it's mucus or a loogie, perhaps. There's a there's a nebulous in between there. Some people brighter than us can can uh, enlighten us. Is there a microbiologist in the building? So what's happening now is that I've poured in, let's say, eight ounces of this can, mm-hmm. um, and between the original, uh, maybe three ounces each, we have about four ounces, two to four ounces left in this can. And it's pretty sludgy based on what I'm feeling. I am now going to dump the rest of this into my glass. All right. You're going to watch. Here we go. And instead of reacting viscerally, you're going to describe it for our listeners. All right. Here we go. Well, blop. there's chunks. The color's changed. The color's changing a lot. It's lighter. It's it's blorping out. That's it. There's a lot of blorps. And there uh, there's a descending lava lamp-like quality to the phlegm chunks. Wonderful. As they descend to the base of the glass. The other thing that's happened is that the head has reinvigorated. There's a good eighth to a quarter inch of head now at the top that erupted like a baking soda vinegar volcano the moment that I poured the rest of that. What if it's just like baking soda? A testament to what happened in the previous one being a highly carbonated chocolate paste sludge booger. So yours is the same. You're still enjoying it. 
I'm if you want, you can I'm taste still mine. Tasting it. Okay. I'm gonna try this now. Um, but do you have any other thoughts on on what we had previously had in our glasses? Um, yeah, the initial pour right off the top of the can was was uh, okay. I'm not gonna say it was great. It was not spicy in a, a capsaicin chili heat sort of way. It definitely had, you know, spice from the the cinnamon. Vanilla non-existent, and I would yes. love vanilla to Mexican vanilla is so good. I would love for it to punch through and add another layer of sweetness and add to that decadence because they said that the base of this is that triple chocolate stout. Correct. Right? So we should have that same sweetness and everything added to it should just accentuate and add to it. Mm -hmm. To me, this is a, an inferior beer. It, yes. It's not nearly as sweet and not nearly enough of the right ways. There's no vanilla coming through. The cinnamon is present, but to me it just detracts from the overall vibe of what they're going for. Correct. Okay, I agree. As a reminder, my previous rating on the first beer was going to be about a nine, and then it dropped down to a four after the transformation. This beer, I agree with you, is worse than the first, mm -hmm. but the chasm in between, the difference of starting with the top and then emptying the can is less severe. I will have you try this. It's, I would even say more heat and more sweetness has come out in the second pour of this thing. It's much less, uh, it's much less difficult to drink than the first one. When we poured the sludge from the bottom of the first can, it was not undrinkable. I'm hesitant to use that phrase. Undrinkable is undrinkable. I could have drank it. Very unenjoyable. I'm glad I didn't have to. This one, I'm going to keep sipping on, though I don't think it's a great beer. That's where I'm at with this. What did you think of tasting it? Um, it, it? I didn't get much more sweetness or much more spice. I got a lot more dryness. Yeah, almost, what, what's that about? Maybe it's know. a bitterness. Maybe it's a bitterness holdover. Bitterness, and it makes my mouth feel very chalky, and I do not like mm. it. Um, yeah, chalky's, chalky's for sure on brand for yeah. what I'm getting. It's like I just licked an eraser from the, the, the big chalkboard. There's a ton of burn on the back end, and I can't quite figure out if it's heat from the uh, spices. Or the unknown goop that or the putting alcohol. in your body. Yeah, I'm not sure. Every time I swallow it, it hits right at the bottom of my throat. Not yeah. e It's out of the mouth at this point. It's just like a heat kind of in the upper regions of my chest, which I do like, depending on what I'm drinking, obviously. Milk, not a great sensation. Mm -hmm. But a spiced imperial stout, sure, par for the course. Um. So weirdly what's happening for me is that even though I think this beer was less enjoyable on the initial pour, it's going to get a higher rating for me because I enjoy what we finally poured into the glass more than what I had for the first one. Nope. Are you saying – because I can assure you that is what I'm doing. No, that's – I disagree. You can disagree all yeah. you want, but I'm telling you that's how I feel. That's fair. How do you feel? I, I think both these beers were quite frankly a waste of time. A waste of time it, and, and money as it turns yeah, out. It has to be – a world-class stout for me to overlook the sheer amount of disgusting, <laughs> just okay. foul crap that came out of the bottom of these cans that is just sizzly and sparkly and white and what the fuck? No. Like, there's so, there's no, re here's um, two parts. I hear you. That's part of part one. There's no reason that a beer should have so much of anything that if let, cause we've had this, I'm assuming this is from black Friday, 2022, which is about uh, three months ago, two and a half. There's no reason any beer should have so many things in it 
that if you leave it sit for two months, it starts becoming solid beer instead of liquid beer. Mm -hmm. I guess that's only, it's only a one part. That's it. Yeah. You're right. That shouldn't happen. Yeah. No, major turnoff. Big thumbs down for me because I've had like fantastic, like barrel-aged stouts. Yes. Sometimes there's a little bit of a, a snot rocket in the bottom and it comes out and the lucky person that gets it in their glass wins a prize. Whatever. Sure. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. The liquid that you're imbibing in is so fantastic. You accept. You ignore it. Yeah, like, well, it's fine. And I've talked to brewers about this. Like that shit happens every once in a while. So it's not outside of the realm of normalcy. For me, this, what just happened with these two Wiley Root Spears, really is. And it's quite frankly pretty unacceptable. So super not into it. Well, I think that's probably pretty reasonable, man. Um, now thinking about it, giving the first beer a four might have been too generous because I'm now I can't really I don't want to give this more than a four. I don't think it deserves it. No. So I guess I'll give this one a four as well. Uh, anything more than that would be disingenuous. Uh, but that's where I'm at. What do you think? Out of 10? It's a it's a two two. It's pretty low. Skip it. Miss uh, these. Might be one of your lowest of the year so far. We've only got about five weeks under our belt this year. Um, P.S. To people on Patreon, look out for our top and bottom beers of 2022. We're putting out that bonus episode soon. We're going to recap all of our uh, honorable mentions and dishonorable, disgusting beers from last year, uh, of which we have several. So um, it'll be a fun. I think it'll be a fun time. Yeah. Um, which is to say about a year from now, we'll probably do the same thing for uh, 2023. And I bet you this beer will be on your list. Mm -hmm. Probably won't make it to mine, but we'll see. Um, one more shout out to Michaela. I appreciate the info. We chatted earlier. Um, I am bummed that, that these weren't, uh, more to our liking, but, uh, if you got another beer, if anybody, if Wiley Roots makes some more stuff that makes it, uh, to Redding or to Chico or, you know, I, I, I'm a firm believer in drinking beer, so I will try it again. I mean, guys, invest in some cheesecloth or something. It's too much chocolate. It's too much chocolate. Are you hearing me? For what? The beer? It's too much chocolate. Like physically, it's too much. Oh. It's coming. It's not going away. It, I don't think that that's chocolate. It's like if we had the pizza and money beer from whoever made that. Evil Twin. It's if we poured that Evil Twin beer and a penny came out. It's like you've used too much pennies. You've gone too far. So you got to just dial back a little to get the essence. You know, like I don't need pepperonis falling out of the can to understand it was made with pizza. No. Crazy that beer. You don't like that beer? No, I liked it. I did too. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. It's crazy that we like that beer and we don't like this one. Not that crazy. Pizza and money, dude. All right. You ready for we'll talk about some? Uh, uh, let's get into friendship, shall we? Let's like, I feel do like it. We're, yeah. All right. Here comes a trailer for the Banshees of Inisherin. If you haven't seen it, no spoilers yet. We'll give you plenty of heads up. So stick around. Colin, Sonny, Larry. Didn't Jude? He used to be the best of friends. We're still the best of friends. No, you're not. Who says we're not? Sit somewhere else. Now, if I've done something to you, just tell me what I've done to you. When you didn't do anything to me, I just don't like you no more. Did you like me yesterday? Why does he not want to be friends with you no more? Why is he 12? What the hell's going on with you, me feckin' brother? He's dull, Siobhan. But he's always been dull. The other night, two hours, you spent talking to me about the things you found in your little donkey shite that day. Well, it wasn't me little donkey shite, it was me pony shite, which shows how much you were listening. You don't stop talking to me. Colin, 
And if you don't stop bothering me, I have a set of shears at home. And each time you bother me from this day on, I'll take those shears and I'll take one of my fingers off with them. And I'll give that finger to you until I have no fingers left. Does this make things clearer to you? Not really, no. Starting from now. But shush like, Polly. You know, shush like. Yeah, I'd shush like. Would you not want him to have to do the one finger to see if he was bluffing like? No, we wouldn't. Because worse comes to worse, he can still play the fiddle with four fingers, I bet ya. Going back to your own gang now, Parry. I'm talking to me! Are you? Why aren't you talking to Parry no more? That wouldn't be a sin now, would it, Father? No, but it's not very nice either, is it? Do you know who we remember for how nice they was in the 17th century? Who? Absolutely no one. Yeah, we all remember the music at the time. Everyone to a man knows Mozart's name. I don't, so there goes that theory. Can't be waiting around for any more of this madness. Let's just call it quits. We won't call it quits. We'll call it the start. All right, that was a trailer for The Banshees of Inisherin, written and directed by Martin McDonough. Here's the internet synopsis. On a remote island off the coast of Ireland, Padrick is devastated when his buddy Colm suddenly puts an end to their lifelong friendship. With the help from his sister and a troubled young islander, Padrick sets out to repair the damaged relationship by any means necessary. I'm saying it like that. That's how he says it. However, as Colm's resolve only strengthens, he soon delivers an ultimatum that you heard in the trailer that leads to shocking consequences. Uh, this stars Colin Farrell as Padrick. Uh, Brendan Gleeson as Colm, his best friend who decides to no longer be his friend. Carrie Condon plays Padrick's sister, Siobhan, and Barry Kilgan plays Dominic, who is the Islander aforementioned. And then I also want to give a shout out to Jenny, who is a donkey who plays herself. Uh, cinematography here, which is gorgeous, by the way, was Ben Davis. That's right. And this movie comes in with a Fableman topping yeah. nine Academy Award nominations. <clears throat> Additional nominations from what Max just said. Although I didn't say the nominations, so you might as well tell them. I just read the cast. I don't remember all of them. They're underneath. Oh, then I do. So nominations. We have Brendan Gleeson for Best Supporting Actor, Carrie Condon for Best Supporting Actress, Barry Keoghan for Best Supporting Actor. Uh, Jenny is not actually nominated. I, She should be nominated. She should be. Best Animal Performance, They should. that should be an Academy Award. Yes, it absolutely should. Absolutely. Additionally, uh, McDonough for Best Director, Best Original Score by Carter Burwell. And is there more? Yeah, Can man. Scroll? Yep. I can't see them sorry, on my dude. screen. Oh, I'm sorry. We're sharing a screen today. Ah, there they are. Uh, best Original Screenplay and Film Editing by Mikkel E.G. Nielsen. And then the only one that we missed was Colin Farrell, who was up for Best Actor. And the most course, important. Sure. Well, say. yeah, maybe. Um, and also, yeah, uh, Best Picture, which yeah. is uh, we only have one more movie in our in our Best Picture nominees that we're going to cover soon. Soon, when we can yeah. see it. So um, this movie originally dropped on September 5th, 22 at the Venice Film Festival. And then on October of that same year, October 21st, it hit wide release and it clocks in on HBO Max, actually. Sorry. Mm, oh, nice. It dropped on sure, HBO sure. Max probably a month ago, so, which yeah, is where early, we both watched it. Early so, January. Yeah. No, I saw it at the pageant. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. 
So this is definitely available on a screen near you if you have HBO Dude, Max. Dude, yes. I should also make the correction. I don't know why I wrote wide release. It was definitely limited release. It was not. It was hard to see this movie. Um, so I, the, the pageant is our local small theater here in Chico. If you live in Chico, you know that. Um, it was there for you know the five-day run or whatever they do. Mm-hmm. And it was not in any major theaters until now because it was nominated for this. So it probably is. Um, and then, yeah, it came to HBO Max. And it runs uh, just shy of two hours at 114 minutes. Um, we were watching the trailer before we started our discussion today and, uh, we paused it almost done. I said, okay, I'm good. And are you still watching? I said to Johnny, he goes, it just makes me want to watch the movie again, which was not my experience with this movie. So why don't you go first? Uh, what are your thoughts on the Banshees of Innis, Sharon, my friend? Well, it was deeply moving, man. It was about divorcing a friend. I think it's as an adult, that's mm-hmm. something a lot of us have had to deal with. It was to me. I it played as a, a very dark comedy. I I found a lot of humor in this, and a, also a lot of seriousness, and some amazing performances from from Colin Farrell sure. and Brendan Gleeson, and Carrie Condon, fantastic in this as well as yep. Siobhan. Uh Barry Keoghan was not in it as much. Certainly a side player. Definitely yeah. a side player, but the, just the chemistry on screen between Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson is so powerful like they are so good on screen together you've seen it in their movies in the past in bruges they were so good on screen together and that carries over into this but it's a different time period much earlier uh was it supposed to be 1920s yeah i think that's about right it was during the irish civil war um so i'll double check but i think it's the 20s yeah uh but man this island was beautiful it was so lovely there where they shot it Cinematography was on point. Such a gorgeous movie to look at. I loved all their interactions. I thought it was confounding in its bluntness at times. Uh, Brendan Gleeson, I think, ran away with this. This was, sure. I mean, he was fantastic in this movie. I think he's got a real shot at winning Best Supporting Actor for this. I think mm-hmm. big, big chance for him. Maybe. Um, really enjoyed this movie, though. It was... I spoke to a few people and they said that it was going to bum me out and that like I should be careful. You know, it's kind of like The Whale. I actually have some friends who watched The Whale and this in one day. That's tough. Yeah, it's a tough day. Why? Do you, uh, I mean, like... Just they had the day to watch movies, catching up on Best Picture stuff. All right. It's, so so like they're they're into the scene, but not so much that they didn't realize not to do that. Right. All right. Exactly. I get it. Yeah. Do you want to... Who was it? <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> it's my boss. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, they're just doing the best. That'll they show can. her. Yeah, just just dipping the toes <laughs> into award season. Sometimes it's real sad. Sure, uh, but I, I I love this movie. I was a big fan. I thought it was it was well put together, and uh, yeah, I didn't make me as sad as I thought it was going to. You you thought it was going to make you sad? Well, everyone I talked to, oh, that's true. said it was super sad, and I had just watched The Whale like two weeks before, and I'm like, all right, here we go again. Yes. Okay, we'll give you an out of 10. Nine, three. That's real super high. Uh, okay. I So I saw this, like I said, at the pageant. It was probably, yeah, five or six weeks ago at this point. So it's not the freshest in my brain. Mm-hmm. I went in expecting a dark comedy along the lines of In Bruges, which is dark. Um, ki- kids are murdered in that movie. Like it's, But it's funny. Yeah, strong on the comedy. It's played really funny. This movie has a funny premise that, in my opinion did not play in a comical way. The idea of a friend be like, hey, we're not going to be friends anymore, and I'm going to cut off my fingers if you try to talk to me. <laughs> ha ha. How absurd. 
<laughs> what a lovely idea. And then he does cut off his fingers. He cut, You know that he cuts off one, maybe more. And it's not funny. It's mean. It's weird. Like, Brendan Gleeson plays a jerk. There's a scene where, where Colin Farrell, Farrell's character gets kind of beat up. Uh, and Gleeson doesn't really step in. But he helps him. Like, I don't know. I, is that spoilery? Is that okay? No. It's not too far in. I mean, it's all the danger zone, man. Like, like that's how we're not trying to spoil this movie. This oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, but we should. We, we will could. at some point. We can. We'll give a couple more minutes and then we'll get into it. Yeah. Um, I just, I think we're supposed to empathize a little bit with Colm, Brendan Gleeson's character. Mm-hmm. And I can't. Because Colin Farrell plays it so well. He's He's so... Boring. He's like simple. He's, I wouldn't he's, say he's boring. He's just simple. He doesn't have many big ideas. He doesn't. He's a simple guy. He loves. He loves just. What does he do for work? Does he do anything for work? He's like a shepherd, man. He's just got animals. That's right. He so, sells milk. That's right. So he then after work he just goes to the pub and he wants to drink beers with his friend until nighttime and he wants to go to sleep and do it again. Mm-hmm. That's it. And it seems like for a long time Brendan Gleeson's character was fine with this, and then all of a sudden, like a real jerk, he goes no more. And that's so mean. And the way that Farrell plays it is so innocent and just he was so like pure. a child. Like, just why, why won't you talk to me? Mm-hmm. And I you can't, I can't imagine a scenario where you've made the stand and you're willing to treat your friend like that. It's it's beyond absurd. In, in, it's beyond comical absurdity and becomes vindictive and mean. And I just hated that character. Yeah. It sucked. I loved this movie. It was great. It's gorgeous. The performances were awesome. It made me really sad by the end. I never want to see it again. It was fantastic. And for me, it's like a seven. Okay. Okay. That's completely It might be fair. an eight. I'm going to double check what I wrote in my letterbox review, but I think I'm going to put seven slash eight for now until I can- What does your heart tell you right now? It tells me eight. All right. That's, it's an eight as of this podcast. I trust my heart after seeing it and thinking about it more. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about anything else before we can spoil stuff? No. Okay, then incoming is the spoiler zone. So if you haven't seen Banshees of Inisherin, this is your last warning. We're going to spoil it. We have a different sound for that. Spoiler zone. Okay, welcome to the spoiler zone. Uh, not officially the danger zone, so the next best thing. Um, let's talk Jenny the donkey. Love that. What dude. an angel. Oh, my God. The fun fact I shared with you before we started rolling is that Jenny is now retired. Jenny is her real donkey name, her, her Christian name, if you will. Her real donkey name. <laughs> um, that's not like a character name given to the donkey. That is Jenny the donkey. Jenny is now retired, living out her days. Uh, she's alive. She's living out her days uh, on some sanctuary, just kind of doing donkey stuff. Yeah, just chilling. Um, Jenny dying was tough. That's ironic and horrible. And I said to you, it's a tough year for donkeys because, of course, uh, triangle of sadness. A donkey dies yeah. with a rock. Mm-hmm. In a word, well, I don't know. Would you rather be hit over the head with a rock a bunch of times or choke on Brendan Gleeson's finger, detached finger, not like in a sort of kink? I'd kind go. Of way. I'd go rock. Uh, you got to get hit a lot. Yeah, they could probably hit that donkey like seven times. A lot. Yeah. Yeah, I'd go finger. I don't know. Suffocating is a way worse way to go than head trauma. For me. Yeah, hopefully you're kind of losing your exactly. sense as you're getting hit. Yeah, you get concussed, your brain's out of it, your that's brain true. starts to shut off. Okay, I'll take the rock as well. It's much gentler. Okay, that said, which island would you rather have to live on as a donkey? The one in the Banshee's Been a Sharon or the one in Triangle of Sadness? Oh, 
Banshees. Banshees all day. All day. Um, okay, let's talk more spoilers. He cuts off all his fingers. Yeah. On on one hand. The left hand. Oh, right, which is a thing because he's a fiddle player. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's an absurd idea. Yeah. What did you think of Colin's Farrell, Colin Farrell's performance after the flip? After he flips and is no longer trying to win the approval back. I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. Why? Because he was so pure and so innocent, and there was a childlike quality to him as a character in his simplicity and his just desire for companionship and to be loved and to have a friend. And he just couldn't get it through his head. Why? And that was, you know, kind of the crux of his his character arc was trying to figure out why, and he just could not get it. And then Brendan Gleeson threw all of his fingers at his house and his donkey choked on them. And he's like, <laughs> fuck you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to burn your house He's now. like, that's it. Yeah, that's you can't, it. You don't, you can't do that. Yeah. You fucked with my donkey, bro. It's like, basically, Jenny was John Wake's dog. Next thing you know, it's on. That's a fun way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. I thought the performance switch was fantastic. Me too. He, when he got a, because Colin Farrell is an imposing figure. Mm-hmm. He doesn't always do like the brute strength approach, but like think of him in um, in the Guy Ritchie movie. Uh, I want to say The Watchman. What's it actually? The Gentleman. The Gentleman. He plays like a reformed gangster who runs a gym for kind of like at-risk youth. Mm-hmm. Greatest clothes in that movie. Tracksuits all day. Dude, his fashion. Um, and he ends up having to do favors for somebody. And he does some like gnarly stuff, but he plays it in this very kind of calm, cool, collected way. But he has a menacing quality that he has in the end of this movie. Uh-huh. When he decides that he, this is no longer fun. This isn't a fucking game, bro. You're done. I yeah. was, yeah. Like, I love that he took care of uh, Colm's dog. That's like what I texted you last night. What did you text me last night? Thanks for reminding me, dog. Oh, yeah. Right. The quote. Like, oh. yeah. Um, I think one of the unsung heroes of this movie is, is probably Barry Keoghan. Tricky character. Because by all rights, an idiot. Mm-hmm. And then upon further investigation, a pretty troubled idiot who is like sexually abused by his father, is looking for love, and is kind of the moral compass of the movie in a way. Yeah, which you didn't see coming. No. I think him and Siobhan are the, the moral compasses. I'm going to throw you a Gaelic pronunciation guide here, and I'm going to tell you that B is more like a V. Hmm. Siobhan. Um, are the moral compasses? Mm-hmm. Yes. I just, you don't, yeah, you you kind of see it coming with Siobhan's character, um, but not so much with with Dominic. Yeah. No, he was definitely out of left field. At one point, he is the one who tells um, Padraig that he's not nice. He's like, you're not nice anymore. You Because he lies about that other fiddler player or whatever. Fiddler yeah. Player. Um, subsequently, eventually kills himself. Why was that? He jumps off the rocks, I'm pretty sure. Or he sure. fell in the lake. He jumped. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure. That's my read of it. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's the intended read. Um, very sad. Oh, it was after Siobhan rejected him. I don't think that's what it was. I know that, is, that, that was, was after. You're yeah, right. Time there was like wise. one other thing. Well, it kind of came out publicly in the bar that his father was right, busting Right, him. right, right, right. Because Colin Farrell was drunk and like shouted it out. Is that what yeah. the deal was? Um, but he didn't even know for sure. It was just like a, a shot in the dark that happened to be true. Yeah. That was wild. Yeah. And that was the same guy that beat up Colin Farrell yep. earlier. Colm, no. Uh, no, right. Patrick. Um, yeah, man, there's a lot of really depressing things. The way the movie ends is it's like this, it's like this relegation to the idea that we now have lost this friendship. We, by all rights, hate each other. 
and we're going to go on living on this tiny isolated island. I also like the idea. It's a little on the nose, but yeah, I double-checked. It's 1923, which is during the Irish Civil War, which, what a nice backdrop to an essentially a friendship civil war. Mm -hmm. uh, and you could probably infer some commentary that there's no reason for these friends to be falling apart. There's probably no reason for that war. I'm not really educated on it, but most wars probably not needing to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, I, I, I remember asking the person I went to see the movie with, I said, you usually ask after me, like, what do you think? And this one, I specifically held back that question because what seemed more appropriate was how do you feel? And I felt like shit. <laughs> I felt like crying. Yeah. And it was tough, man. I, I'm not, it's just the whole mood. This movie is really well done at capturing. It captures what it's attempting to do, which is like this, this loneliness that comes from uh, losing a common theme throughout this movie, this week, this, the episode today. Uh, with movies is like like losing this sense of something that you've started to kind of uh, link to your identity. It's rough. Yeah. Which was sadder, mm. Banshees of Inisherin or the Whale? It's so different. Um, I was I was more sad. I was more I was more deeply deeply sad on a human level after the Banshees, mm. but circumstantially and emotionally after the whale, I was wrecked, mm -hmm. but it was so specific. This has some universality that makes me less optimistic about human beings. Mm. The whale left me optimistic, but sad. True. This left me pessimistic and sad. Well, what about you? I mean, gut answer is the whale was more sad mm -hmm. just because it had more You're of crying. A, yeah, well, yeah. And it had more of an impact on the time period after I watched it. I okay. think there was enough dark humor for this viewer mm -hmm. to not be that deeply affected by Banshees. Okay. I mean, it, it, they were such different pieces of art and different kinds of sadness, like you were saying. I feel like yeah. Banshees focuses on interpersonal, specific issues. Okay. Uh, at well, least, okay. On, at least yeah. on screen. Yeah. I mean, The Whale was very personal, but right. it's also more obviously about something larger. You think you're saying the whale is about something larger? Yeah. What do you what would you make the case that, that is? I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. I just I didn't view it that way. Yeah. I mean, well, what do you what are you picturing? Well, I mean, with the whale you're dealing with issues of uh addiction, sure. obesity, sure. self-image, which is way more meta overarching themes um and also it's more singular, so it's it's more just this guy dealing with these issues yeah, yeah. that are all in the world, floating around. And, you know, Banshees of Inisherin was just a, a – it was such a personal movie. Like, it's like any piece of art. You can you can lay over world issues mm -hmm. and overarching themes because it was almost a caricature of a problematic friendship. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. It was so cartoonish. So absurd, yeah. So absurd, yeah. but it was also so specific between two people. I guess for me, it's just the tone of it. Like, like the 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 whale is a movie. You're right, by the way. You, like, it is it is about real world applicable stuff that we deal with today. Like, you and I have people in our lives, and have known people that have struggled with addiction, with with obesity, with all sorts of things. And and the absurdity of the relationship in Banshees almost makes it easier to kind of separate. And be like, well, that's its own thing. Mm -hmm. And it's less personal in that sense. Yeah. Because no friendship has ever ended that way. It was so absurd. It was not yeah. like 
it felt less realistic than the whale. Yeah. Because it was cartoonish in its um, extravagance of absurdity. Yeah. Whereas the whale is like, no, that's like, because that dude isn't even the largest person that I've seen. No. You know what I'm saying? They make reality TV shows about people twice as totally. So it was way more founded in reality, which I think is why the whale made me more sad. That's totally true. But the reason this made me, or one of the reasons is that the it's, yeah, it's the tonal through lines. The tonal through line of the whale is optimism. Mm-hmm. It's hope. It's It's belief in people being awesome. The entire point that McDonough's making here. It, like it's the corruption of kindness. Mm-hmm. It's it's one person deciding this is no longer good and fine. You could leave it there and 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 then Padre could go and do his own thing. But instead, by the end, he has also given up on this friendship, and that's such a fucking bummer. Yeah, there it, was there was a dragging down of yeah, his character to totally to whatever. And I just I I think that can happen to people. And I, like if both movies start on an even plane. And you have optimism on one hand and hope on the other. They're just going opposite directions. And by the end, they're both sad, but but one's trying not to be, kind of. And yeah. one is like, fuck it. This is humans. This is how we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Embrace it or don't. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Banshees was was more gritty and um, it was like just rubbing salt in a wound for two hours. Yeah. I also don't like that, you know, that Siobhan left, but I also get why she had to leave. Yeah. She's like, I can't do this anymore. But he gets, you know, he's left with, and that's the order of things. It's like, Siobhan leaves. Actually, could you maybe you could tell me who does does uh, Dominic die first and then she leaves? Or yes. okay. So Dominic dies. The one source of like call it idiocy, but he's not being corrupted to badness. He's mm-hmm. maybe too dumb, but he is a positive. He's been molested his whole life, but he's still just like a moral compass. Mm-hmm. He dies. The other moral compass, Siobhan, leaves. Mm-hmm. Then Jenny. His sweet little donkey dies, and that's it. It's the death of this innocence and this kindness, and like this humanity. He's like, "Fuck it, I'm. I guess I'm gonna kill you." Yeah, and all my animals live in the house. And now. you kind of get it. You're yeah. like, "Fuck yeah, you got nothing else." Yep, I'm gonna burn your fucking house down. And if you would just have this friend who would be like, "Just, I'll talk to you. Like we can figure it out." And instead, he's like, "No, I'm leaving." Everybody leaves this character. Everybody leaves Podrick, and he's. What else are you gonna do? Yeah, he gets abandoned. That's it. It's tough growing up, you know, and like hitting a certain age. Just realizing some of your friends are idiots. Sure. It's like, do you stick by them? I think idiots are okay. They're necessary. I mean, look at us. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably the biggest idiot. I was going to say I with. am, but okay, sure. Idiots are fine. Assholes, not so much. Yeah. You got to get like, rid of those people. Yeah. I don't know. I can only speak from my perspective, but as a dude in his mid-30s, I've mm. realized that some of my friends are idiots, and I think yeah. that's okay. And you love them. Yeah. You'll never tell them. It's fine. No, know. I'll fucking tell them. It's, it'll be fine. But they'll be like, ah, you're just yanking my chain. You're yeah. like, you're not hearing me. I'm telling okay, you. stupid. I literally, this is the, it's fine. We love our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah I don't know. <laughs> but I think that's just, I don't know. If you go to that extreme, anytime you just realize one of your friends has nothing interesting to say when you're yeah, drinking. You're gonna, yeah. I'm like, dude, you're drinking buddies. Yeah. You're just guys that hang out at the bar at two o'clock every day. Which is, which, by the way, you're taking this so fucking seriously. An undervalued relationship. People, it seems to me, and even subconscious, I know you don't actually feel this way, but the way you just said it was like, it's a surface level, unimportant relationship. I disagree. And I think you do too. A drinking buddy, a person you can go to the bar and talk about nothing with for four hours and do that a bunch of times and not Mm -hmm. get sick of each other is awesome. Mm -hmm. That's a quality relationship. And sure, maybe there's no intellectual substance. Who cares? Every now and again, it's great to have a person you can just go and say nothing with 
and be idiots. Let's be idiots together. That's great. Uh-huh. And most of this movie, I was thinking, calm. Yeah. You could help your friend be better. Sure. Like, totally. Re- read a book together. Yeah. Start a fucking in a Sharon book club. Yeah. Like, if you want him to be more interesting, talk to him about it. Yes. Don't just cut him off. You're not so much better than him that you can be like, I, I just, I, even being around you for one more second is going to make me worse. Yeah. And the whole premise that this just happened like overnight, like you just woke up one morning and yeah. was like, I'm done. Yeah. There's no more. That's, yeah. It a was, jerk. He's a jerk. No, it was. It was a, a very exaggerated piece of art, but it definitely was thought provoking about the human condition and, and just the shittiness of which people can descend quickly. I know. Like on the turn of a dime. It's a bummer movie. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, me too, but I'm not watching it again. <laughs> I'll watch it again right now. Uh, okay. That's all I have on this movie. Do you have anything you want to add to this conversation? Definitely watch it. Yeah, that's true. Um, we said it's on HBO Max at mm-hmm. this point. It should be probably in some theaters. So go check it out. Let us know what you think if you get a chance to see it. Um, and don't let us know what you think about this movie if you haven't seen it. We're not interested in that uninformed idiot opinion. Yeah, I don't want ratings based okay. off a trailer. <laughs> um, all right. Upcoming is Hot and Bothered if you are ready, Johnny Summers. I'm ready. Hot and Welcome to Hot and Bothered, uh, where I am sipping a Cali Cream Ale from Mother Earth, which is a... I'm going to call it a tie-back, shout-out, call-back to, uh, to uh, our bonus episode that we leaked on our normal feed from our friend Mr. Black. Micah. Who, Micah Black, yeah, who did some artwork for Callie Creeman, for, sorry, Mother Earth, um, on a beer that I bet we could think of the name of if we really tried, but I don't quite feel like trying. I've tried enough today, yeah, man. Yeah, i So, uh, hot and bothered, we talk about what's got us jazzed, what's got us bummed out for the week. Uh, and here we are, Johnny Summers. What's got you hot and or bothered, my friend? A uh, little bit of mixed bag hot and bothered. I've been working a ton. Uh, I only had one day off. This you specifically week. said, "Yeah, the one thing I have to talk about." Oh yeah, I'm I'm, I'm here for it, though. I, I only hear. had one day off because I worked the first brew fest yeah. of the year, but it was a blast. So that was kind of a mixed bag of hot and bothered. What was that like? What where, to give me the location? I mean, it was times. up at Rolling Hills Casino oh. in one of their big convention centers. They sold like a thousand tickets, so it was it was a giant party. Who were you pouring for? Um, all three brands that I sell at work. Shoutouts: uh, Bike Dog, Fort Rock, Humboldt Cider. Oh, I forgot you guys do Fort Rock. Yeah. That's cool. So it was a blast, but it was exhausting, and having one day off has got me very tired. Sure. But the direct tie-in to that was it gave me more time while I was on the road to listen to my favorite audiobooks as of late, which I just finished today. And the book series I'm talking about is the Nevernight Trilogy right? from author Jay Kristoff, who probably both of our favorite book of 2022. Yeah. I didn't say. I read a lot of books, but yeah, it was great. You do? I didn't. Oh, I didn't either. So yeah. It's not hard to get number one. Empire the Vampire. Yeah. Love that book. Great recommendation from Max. Turned me on to one of my new favorite authors. I fully committed and kept the Audible subscription and Mm -hmm. ripped through Mm -hmm. all three of the books of the Nevernight trilogy, which were Nevernight, God's Grave, and Dark Dawn. Favorite of the three? Ooh. Is it the last one? It no. It kind of seems like it would be. I like the first one quite a bit. I oh, love, really? He's really good at world building. Okay. And just from this trilogy and the Empire of the Vampire, they both have very unique rules. It's a very mm-hmm. specific sandbox that each world is in. Mm-hmm. And I really love lore when it comes to books like this, I love just getting into the mm-hmm. rules of it, mm-hmm. the nitty gritty, who can do what, the way things are. 
And as someone who's read a ton of fantasy and science fiction books, his ideas are very unique. They're obviously influenced by certain certain things, and I could talk for hours about sure. that, but I'm not going to. Um, but it never crosses the line into being derivative. He makes it his own, and it makes it so compelling to watch these characters develop in this unique world that he's created. So yeah. I would say probably the first book was my favorite. Okay. But they were all three fantastic. The whole series was very good. Uh-huh. Highly recommend you pick them up. How long is each book, roughly? 20 hours. So, man, you've been cranking through them. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I will. I will. I've got about eight Audible credits right I now. I know. You, you teased so, me with it. I just got a new one. Uh, I did just finish that book, so I kind of do need another credit. You need a credit? So, Daddy got you. Please. Um, I had a couple things. One is that my uh, friend, good friend and roommate, Rob, is out of town. He went to Utah to help his good friend and ex-roommate um, in in life. Need a little bit of help? I don't know what's my business to uh, explain, so I won't. Anyways. Well, don't make it sound like his friend's like a drug addict or no, something. No, it's, it's just... Uh, it's all good. It's health stuff. It's totally normal stuff. Yeah. Completely fixed. Now. Totally fine. Stuff. Yes. Um, so Rob left and is gone for about a week. And we don't use an alarm system in our house, though the house has one. It's never made a sound until Rob left. And I don't think it was because he left. Coincidentally, one of the sensors around the house started going off. And I didn't know what the beeping was. So I went found this panel that we never use. And I tried to turn it off. And I accidentally locked myself in to the house. It was like locked secure. Like doors, your doors won't unlock? They will unlock, but if I do it, the alarm system is going to go off and it's going to call the cops. Oh, so you like set the alarm. I set, I armed the alarm. Gotcha. And it like it made it sound like you're, you'd turn your whole house into a safe room. No, no, no. Just just virtually kind of created invisible locks. Ah, yes. And if it happens, if it goes off, you have, you know, you have a certain amount of time probably to call and be like, don't come. Or you can deactivate it from the pad usually. Usually. Yeah. You have to know the code. <laughs> we don't use this system, so we don't know the code. So I just I was like, this is my life. I'm locked inside. So I finished I didn't even finish the movie. I started, by the way, a movie called Ava, um, which was Jessica Chastain. Um terrible. You watched it. Yeah. I started it. It's a 2020 movie, so like a little bit of a handicap there. Bad. I turned it off. It it's was trash. It's so it bad. It was so bad. Uh, directed by Tate Taylor, who obviously, oh no, he directed um, he directed The Help. He directed Ma. Did you see that horror movie, Ma? With the same lady from The Help, by the way? No, I name? didn't. Uh, what is her name? Octavia Spencer. Mm-hmm. Um, he also did The Girl on the Train, which was a book uh, that was much better than the movie that he did. Um, Look at Ava, me, Mister. I don't read books. Well, this was years ago. Ava was very bad. I turned it off maybe thirty minutes in, but not before I noticed that alarm. And I thought it's like a spy movie, like an espionage thing. So I thought the beeping was in the movie. Mm. I was like, God damn, this movie's beeping a lot. And then no, it was the panel. So I like pressed a button. It was like a human in a home, and I pressed it. And it was like system armed. Whatever. The next morning, habitually, I opened a door, of course, and then the alarm starts going off. So I called the number. It's like cancel dispatch. And I'm like, hey. You know, this alarm's going off, and they're like, type in the master code. And I'm like, I don't have the master code. You know, I this is, I don't use this system. And she's like, all right, well, to verify, are you the homeowner? And I had to be like, no, he's he's not here right now. He's out of town. <laughs> Can you tell me the code? <laughs> she was like, no, I can't tell you the code. I was like, that makes sense. It's uh, Saturday, so nobody's in our office. If this isn't an emergency, you have to wait till Monday. So I just stuck. I mean, I went in and out, but the alarm kept going off. So I was in here, and I finally figured it out today. I called the dude that installed it. Rob had reached out to the previous owners. They never used it, so like nobody knew. He was like, try this code, the guy from the company, and it worked finally today. It was wild, though. 
Jeez. I tried to pry open the power box. It has its own different circuit breaker. And, yeah. and that had a key that nobody gave us also. Mm -hmm. I tried to use um, paper clips because I watched a four-minute video on YouTube that didn't teach me how to pick locks, believe it or not. Shocking. Broke the paper clip. That makes sense. It's an old paper clip. Um, very lastly, uh, I want to talk about Far Cry 5. It's a video game. I don't usually talk about video games here because I don't often play them. But I downloaded Far Cry 5 on my Xbox One. I had just enough storage to do it. And if you like Far Cry, any of the games in the series, you'll love it. It's also like, you know, when the fuck did Far Cry come out? Hang on. Um, Far Cry 5 came out in like 14. No, that can't be right. 18. Came out in 18. Okay. So it's like not new, but it's not old, old. Yeah, it's one of the newer ones. It, but if you like Far Cry, I guess you'd probably already be aware that Far Cry 6 came out. But I don't have a system that'll play 6. So I downloaded 5 to be part of it. It's all like you're in Montana and you're trying to take down this religious cult. I love that Sweet. kind of stuff. So that's been fun. I've played it for a couple hours. Nice. I'm into it. There you go. That's all I have pretty much for Hot and Bothered, I think. Well, all right. You got nothing else? No. Are we drinking for real this time? Crux beers next week. 100%. Okay. Remind me how we got them. We're grabbing them at SNS. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, if we can get our eyeballs on it, we're going to be covering Women Talking, which is our final film in the Best Picture nominees category for uh, the Academy Awards this year, which mm -hmm. is in about five weeks. Yep. Um, if not, who knows? We probably won't announce it ahead of time. So just watch something in the meantime that you enjoy. Um, the show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi. Thanks to people on Patreon. Thanks to The Handlebar. I'm Max Minardi. I'm Johnny Summers. Thanks again, Nick Land, for hosting Trivia this last week. What a time it was. It was a blast. Remember, drink some tasty beers. Hopefully they have no chunks in them. Read some good audiobooks or listen to them. Yeah. I still count it as reading. It counts as reading, but you're not reading it. Yeah. Listen to some good audiobooks. Count yeah. them as read. Exactly. But most importantly, be good to each other. We will see you next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.